0: Hello and welcome to Allegedly Astrology. Each week we break down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history.
1: Thank you guys for listening. And if you want to support us even more, you can subscribe on our Patreon for $5 a month. You get two extra episodes
2: a steal oh my god such a steal and you could also leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you leave us
0: a review on apple podcasts or spotify and dm us a screenshot of that review we'll make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a quick write-up about it
1: we also have cool allegedly astrology stuff on Public, so go there and check it out buy some Maybe.
2: Maybe buy some, but also definitely buy some. And definitely follow us on social media. We're Allegedly Astrology on Instagram, Reddit, Hey Hero, and TikTok, and Allegedly Astro. It's shorter on Twitter. And you can visit our website, AllegedlyAstrology.com, to learn more
1: about us, the show, and book a reading with me. Dana DeFranco and check out some charts and transcripts from our select episodes.
0: With that, let's get into today's topic. Dana, what are we covering?
1: Today we're talking about Warren Jeffs and the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is a thing. (laughs)
0: What a mouthful. This episode does come with a trigger warning, so if you are not interested in hearing about sexual abuse, then you should probably set this one out. For everyone sticking with us, Warren Jeffs is an American religious leader and convicted child rapist. It's fun to say those two things in a sentence, but spoiler alert, Warren is in jail. However, he still remains the president of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which from here on out, we will refer to as the FLDS because it's a lot easier. Warren was on the FBI's most wanted list. He had 87 wives at the time of his arrest. And he has been in the topic of many books, documentaries, movies, TV shows. So let's get into his early life and
2: astrology. Okay. So before we could even get into Warren, you know, we got to really go get a crash course on the FLDS because we're going to be talking a lot about it. So we got to know. The FLDS is an offshoot of Mormonism, and it's also considered to be a polygamous cult.
0: Yes. And the Church of Latter-day Saints, also known as Mormons, are a religious group that's been around since 1830. They do have some Christian concepts, but they do have other books tacked onto the Bible that were revelations from their founder, Joseph Smith. They also don't drink alcohol, they don't smoke, they don't have anything with caffeine. I also think they don't really swear, but Mormons are big in Salt Lake City, Utah, but they have 16 million members all around the world. So it's a pretty big religion, and they believe that after Jesus died, God sent more prophets, which is important because that's eventually where Warren will come in.
1: My family in Park City, and I spent a lot of time in Salt Lake City, and so um, some of my family's friends are Mormons, and they're all like the the nicest people. Like. Like on my cousin's communion was the same day as the Kentucky Derby and we were betting and they were just were so, you know, they were really out of their element, I guess, I guess with us. But that's different than the FLDS.
0: But they were accepting and we are not here to trash Mormons. So let's make we're that clear. We're here to trash repair. the FLDS. <laughs> we're here to trash the FLDS for sure.
2: And Mormons don't really even like being associated with them, which we'll talk a little bit about later. So the split between Mormons and the FLDS, as it would come to be known, happened in the 1890s because Mormons banned polygamy and that's like aka having multiple wives and the Mormons were like yo you need to like get rid of all your wives it can't be a thing anymore and a small group of people within the Mormons were like, yo, that sounds lame to have one wife. So they took their wives and they went to Arizona and became known as the FLDS. And to this day, they hang out along the Arizona-Utah border in an area called the Creek, but it's they pronounce it the Crick. Um, and <laughs> I've watched documentaries. <laughs> and um, the FLDS believes that the more wives you have, like the better, higher you'll rise in heaven. So the Mormon church... Like we mentioned,
0: they do not acknowledge the FLDS. They even came out and said it was extremely misleading and inaccurate to associate Warren Jeffs with the Mormon faith. So remember, we are separating those two, but we were just talking about how the FLDS came to be.
2: So now we get to the man of the hour, Warren. Um, Let's get into his childhood. So he was born to Rulon Jeffs and Marilyn Steed, which are some home... names. Yeah, they're crick names. town names
0: indeed. And we gotta give you a brief rundown on his dad, Rulon, because this is sort of where it all started. So, Rulon was the president of the FLDS and was known to his followers as Uncle Rulon and Dana, I bet that's an uncle you would not want to know.
1: He's not my uncle.
0: (laughs) He's not Dana's uncle. Michael Jordan might be, but he's not Dana's uncle. No Uncle Rulon for Dana. So, he also had a ton of wives. So, to... (laughs) Again, the records aren't really super clear, like depending on, you know, where you look, he either had 19 or 25 wives or 60 to 65. No one really knows for sure. Um, But he had around 60 children. Again, no real numbers to work with here. But he was considered to be the eighth prophet of the Mormon church, which is a big deal. And this meant that he was a person that God was speaking to directly. So everyone very much revered him. Elon
1: Musk could never.
2: (laughs) Warren was Rulon's 14th son, and he was born more than two months premature. So he was seen as this miracle child for surviving, and because he survived, people thought he was super, super special. So, what's Warren's birth chart?
1: Okay, buckle up. Warren Jeffs was born on December 3rd, 1955, in Sacramento, California. And we don't have a birth time for him, so we don't know his rising, but he has a Sagittarius sun and a Leo moon. So although he was bland as hell in that documentary, he's on fire. (laughs) Um, Sagittarius is a sign of religion and philosophy, which can obviously veer into fanaticism. Uh, Someone on Astro Twitter tweeted that Sagittarius is what we think Leo is, and that really tracks to me as a Leo rising. Uh, Leo is proud, but Sagittarius is like smug. So... Like, Leo always is thinking about themselves, right? But they assume that everyone else is also thinking about themselves. Sagittarius is thinking about themselves and might expect that others are also thinking about them. It's sort of like this God idea, right? Mm. And his moon in Leo is ruled by his son in Sagittarius. And Leo moons are sensitive, affectionate, and they need validation. Especially from the father, since Leo is ruled by the son, which is our father in our charts and his Sagittarius sun is ruled by Jupiter in Virgo. Jupiter is in detriment in Virgo because Virgo is about concrete details and perfection and Jupiter is the planet of expansion and integration, both of which require like a greater margin for error than Virgo can accommodate. And his Jupiter in Virgo is in mutual reception with his Mercury in Sagittarius. Mutual reception is when two planets rule each other. So Virgo is ruled by Mercury and Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter. What's interesting about this is that both planets are in detriment, so his Jupiter wants to purify and sanitize, and Mercury, the planet of facts and connecting the dots, brushes right past details while making, like, grand plans. Another person who has Mercury in Sagittarius and Jupiter in Virgo in mutual reception is fucking Billy McFarland. <laughs> wow. Of all people. Right, the millennial scam artist, which reminds you that millennials are way less crazy than... Boomers, right? Our worst millennial is Billy McFarland. Yes, not a child rapist, just a lunatic. She just gave people <laughs> some really bad sandwiches, okay? And FEMA tents. Which, by the way, we also have an episode on Billy McFarland and Fire which I think is our second episode ever. Go back and listen to it. Also, Pluto stationed retrograde in Leo two days before he was born. When a planet stations retrograde within a few days of someone's birth, that energy is going to be like highlighted in their lives. It's like turning the volume up on any sort of you know music device. Pluto is the planet of power, corruption, and manipulation, and a planet that is stationary is like still in the sky and it seems closer to Earth. There's more. Warren Just was born four days after a lunar eclipse at six degrees Gemini. And people born on or near eclipses are subject to like extreme life circumstances. Um, because eclipses are malefic events, which means that they are intense or like extreme and unpredictable. It's the closest you can get to time traveling in this lifetime. Um, But it's really just wild to me because since he was born eight weeks early, it's almost like, you know, like the soul needed to be born during the eclipse as opposed to during like a Capricorn cancer thing. Weird.
0: Mm -hmm. Can you explain the difference between a solar and lunar eclipse? Like are solar eclipses also deemed malefic events?
1: Oh, yes. All eclipses are deemed malefic. Anything that happens to you that's bad is an extreme occurrence, but... They're malefic because, like, you're just taken off your path and put onto a whole new path. Like, it's very Donnie Darko energy. Like, you're in a new time zone, which is not of this Earth. Um And a solar eclipse is when the sun and moon are in the same sign. A lunar eclipse is when the moon and sun are in opposite signs. So the lunar eclipse will relate more to sort of, like, culmination and also relationships. And, you know, when you have you know more than you know one wife it's a lot about relationships and in that lifetime
2: but i feel like too his chart is like so creepy knowing it's it's his chart like to me i feel like it's very literal like he has all that sag like with religion which hurts me because i love a sag but in his chart it's like feels creepy like venus and capricorn too to me is like super weird like you like value like structure and like Power and stuff like that. Also, like the Mars and Scorpio is creepy because we know he was like super weird and sexual. And it rules <laughs>
1: his Saturn, which is like the constraint is ruled by this, like, you know, it's just like slow, creepy. It's like moving slowly, but also like very much securing your prey.
2: And I also feel like the Jupiter and Virgo, like we talked about it's in detriment, but we'll find out like he's very much about like, I feel like Virgo is so like structure and like. <gasps> like, crossing your I's or whatever it's called, dotting your yeah. T's, like, making sure everyone keeps in line, and that's, like, so expansive, and he, like, really, like, locked people the fuck down in a way and, like, made them, like, follow these rules that he created. God, I have chills thinking about how gross he is. And that Leo Moon, like, God damn it, like, he's, like, the worst. <laughs> so Warren grows up in Utah and he was the principal of a school um, for 20 years and it was an FDLS private school, and people said... Once again, as I talked about that Jupiter and Virgo, he was, like, super into the rules and known for disciplining kids, which, again, I would also say that Venus and Capricorn, like, you, like, value just, like, structures and authority. And he was also a counselor to his dad. So just, like, helping out. The prophet.
0: Seems dangerous to give him a position at a school, yeah, sure. but then at the age of 92, Rulon dies, leaving behind tons of wives, children, hundreds of grandchildren, literally, and a power vacuum for who would be the next leader and prophet of the FLDS. The
1: wildest parts in that documentary was how shocked everyone was that he didn't come back to life.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that.
1: Like, they're so sheltered.
2: That's what they also thought about um, in Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard. When he died, like, no one could, everyone was like, okay, he's coming back, like, and then he, like, didn't, and they were like, oh, what? It's a perfect griff uh-huh. because
1: that person knows when they die, they're gone.
2: <laughs> Rulon, like, L. R. H. also died, and that, you know, Warren's little Leo Moon kicked in, and he was like, um, guess what? I am number one. I am next in line. So he seizes this opportunity to take control of the church and he becomes leader like basically right away. And within a week, this is creepy. But after his dad died, um, he married basically all of his dad's wives except for two who like one refused and one like ran away so it was like everyone Go else for Yeah. so hearts. what's going on what's
1: what's happening for Warren so Rulon died on September 8th 2002 and at this time the transiting Pluto and North Node were conjunct in Sagittarius right on top of Warren's natal sun Mercury what? and North Node
2: oh my God! so Pluto's
1: the planet of power and corruption and Sagittarius relates to religion so this is like a very apt transit for religious corruption
0: Because it's crazy to remember like Warren Jeffs was Rulon's 14th child. It wasn't like he's like the eldest son. Like he really had to like weasel and manipulate to get this. You could tell how much he
1: wanted to when you watched him do his little like um, performance, his recital of singing on stage. He wanted that spotlight. (laughs) I know I was like, honestly, I gagged a bit. Um, but, yeah, it was also Warren's nodal opposition, and the nodal opposition happens every 19 years or so and corresponds with times in our lives where we oh get, like, gosh. knocked into a new reality, often by mistake or surprise to us. But if if you see it coming, you know something's coming. Anyway, though, the second nodal opposition um, is the astrological explanation for the 27 Club, just to give you guys some backgrounds about what they... they can mean and so nodal oppositions and nodal returns are just major because they mean that means that the eclipses are happening in the same signs that they were in when you were born eclipses um being one of the most important tools for prediction it really makes sense that these are huge turning points in our lives also this pluto south node conjunction is on his sun which represents how he wants to shine in this world his mercury which is how he processes information and how he connects the dots and his north node which is what he feels like called to do in this life um and in Sagittarius he's just on a soapbox um on June 24th of 2002 there was a lunar eclipse in Capricorn tightly conjunct warns Venus in Capricorn and eclipses once again trigger huge events and changes and Venus is the planet of poise and grace and Capricorn Venus wants commitment and recognition but like may go about asking for it in a pious way like it thinks that it's like I'm pious but it's like you want power buddy um, Chiron was Power hungry, yeah. Chiron was also <laughs> in Capricorn in 2002 and on September 7th the day before Rulon died which by the way Rulon is a fake name Chiron stationed direct <laughs> like in um, Capricorn conjunct Warren's natal Venus a planet stationing direct again begins a new chapter in time or like a turning point where the plot can move forward finally so Chiron is the planet of the eternal wound in terms of religion it can be synonymous with like the separation from God which is the The connection that like we're you know eternally trying to repair that is ultimately solved by just like helping other people um and then the sign it's in can show like where that happens and where we need to connect with and serve others in order to heal as opposed to being connected to and raping children in capricorn though this is very related to father figures and like patriarchal structures and things which are like benevolent and pure in form but corrupted by power Venus also relates to war in the sense that Venus represents unity and adoration and thus the influence um, that nations wield and like those in power wield to keep people on their sides, right? And Venus wants to take over, Chiron wants to heal, and Capricorn is all about these like structural organizations and hierarchical power. Anyway, this makes sense that this is when Warren's like plans to take over his father's cult were set in motion. Just a few more things. Warren, <laughs> Warren was 46 um, at the time, which is an 11th house year. And the 11th house represents our audience, and is, such as like a church oh congregation. God. Also, 18 months earlier, in March 2001, Warren's progressed Jupiter retrograded into Leo, conjunct his natal Pluto. Jupiter is a planet of belief, confidence, and overconsumption. And before Neptune was discovered, it was the main planet associated with delusion and fanaticism. Um, in Virgo, where his natal Jupiter is, Jupiter is in detriment because it's obsessed with like achieving perfection and therefore can never be satisfied. But in Leo, Jupiter doesn't need perfection to feel confident. And conjunct his natal Pluto, it really wants to seize power. Especially since this conjunction is at 29 degrees Leo, which is conjunct the fixed star Regulus, which represents kings and rulers.
2: What? Ugh. Literally, his, everything was like, you will become yeah. a religious maniac <laughs> in charge of a church. <laughs>
0: But Warren's version of the church was a lot different than his dad's. If members didn't please Warren, he would take away their jobs, their homes, their families, and even kick them out, which was scary when you didn't really have any resources. All your resources were going to the church. You had no like life skills. 2004 alone, he excommunicated 21 men for being disobedient.
2: And Warren ruled over basically every aspect of your life even if you were a faithful follower he took control of their finances and separated them from the outside world he picked which clothes they wore which if you were a woman you never cut your hair and you wore prairie dresses that covered you from your neck to your ankles which honestly just seems like it sucks and he banned they're like literally wearing that in the yeah, desert yeah when I was watching I mean, it I was like so this 1970 is it 1804 like they look
1: so it's like timeless in the way that just creeps you out freaks exactly. you out
2: Yeah. And in Keep Sweet Prano Bay, I think that's what it's called, Um, they talk about, like, how you had to spend so much time during your hair very certain ways because, like, there were only, like, a few approved hairstyles. So you would have to spend all this time, like, teasing your hair up and, like, braiding it because it had to be, like, perfect, which is psychotic, but again. That was just invented to, like, occupy their time because if women have
1: more time, they'll start being like, why am I here?
2: Yeah. So, you know, besides, like, making you have, like, dumb braided hair, he banned dogs, toys, television, and newspapers, the internet, birthday and Christmas celebrations, festivals, parades, camping, and fishing. And he also, like, separate problem, but... He was very racist and homophobic, so just a shithead. It'd be hilarious
1: if he was, like, a huge, like, gay activist.
0: Like, what did they do? <laughs> crazy. Um, he also pushed for underage marriage in the community and claimed that it was all in the name of God. Warren himself sexually abused young girls, and he would give girls over to his older male followers as a reward for their loyalty. However, if you disobeyed him, he could take away your wives and children and reassign them to someone else.
2: This is such a school principal behavior. You're reassigned. This is your new dad now. I'd be like, what? Um, So how could he do all of this? Well, as the leader of the church, he was the only person with authority to assign marriages. And it's thought that he was involved in conducting the marriages of 67 underage girls to FLDS men.
0: And Warren obviously made some changes to the FLDS, and his actions would eventually make them infamous. So what is their bi-wheel like?
1: Okay, so the FLDS was founded on March 6, 1929, and their chart has Neptune and Leo exactly conjunct Warren's natal Pluto at 29 degrees Leo. Neptune is mysticism, fanaticism, as well as deception. And in, oh God. in Leo, Neptune values, like, unity of the self with the collective which is fine, except true unity would not include recognition of the self if you really think about it, so just fuck them. Also, w- warns Pluto wants to seize power to control this, like, fake narrative, but instead it, it like, exploits it too much, right? It's significant that Pluto and Neptune are the slowest-moving outer planets, and outer planets are generational planets, which means that they represent things that are happening in the zeitgeist, in your in your real life, but also in the zeitgeist, um, at a certain point in time, and so Pluto unlocks, like, the FLDS Neptune, but it wasn't triggered until his progressed Jupiter entered Leo, which again was in March 2001, and his progressed Jupiter rules his natal sun, Mercury, and north node, or his identity, his thought process, and his destiny, respectively. Also, the FLDS has its south node in Scorpio exactly conjunct more Saturn. Saturn represents structural power, discipline, commitment, and in Scorpio, it can either expose decay and corruption or be an agent of it. Ooh. And the South Node points to what is being, like, removed from society. But both the Saturn and the South Node can represent things that are taken away from us. And I'll just leave it at that for now.
2: That's intense. But a few years after Warren comes to power, some of the men he excommunicated started filing lawsuits against him because they were, like... What the fuck? And Warren's nephew comes forward and says Warren sexually assaulted him. And other people just kind of start talking about underage marriages and more sexual abuse against minors. So authorities at this point are starting to like kind of look into Warren because they're like, what's this nerd doing? So criminal charges just start mounting against him.
0: Yes. And Warren actually becomes a wanted man. They put up posters looking for his whereabouts, cash rewards for information about him, and he even made it all the way up to the FBI's most wanted list.
2: So because he's like wanted by the FBI, obviously he drops out of sight and is no longer in the public eye. However, people believe he's hiding out in Texas where they have a compound to avoid prosecution. And it's there that he starts to build up another Mormon community. He can't help himself. So Warren
0: was able to dip out of sight both through to the fact that he had a very loyal following and because he was super rich. He owned close to a hundred million dollars worth of property in several states and major towns in Arizona and Utah. And that's probably not even counting like all the cash resources he had access Wild. to.
2: Yeah, so so everyone besides like his closest circle is like, Where is Warren? But then one day a red two thousand seven Cadillac Escalade was pulled over in Nevada by a highway trooper because the car's temporary plates weren't visible. And sure enough, the motherfucker was in that car. It was Warren Jeffs. And he was with one of his wives and his brother. And at the time of his
0: arrest, remember, this man allowed no technology for his followers, but he had... Four computers, 16 cell phones, disguises like wigs and sunglasses, and more than $55,000 in cash. So what was going on on the day he was arrested?
1: He was arrested on August 28th, 2006 in Clark County, Nevada, which is around Vegas. And this was around 9 p.m. And this chart has a sun in Virgo, moon in Scorpio, and Aries rising. The first thing that jumps out is Saturn and Leo exactly opposite Neptune retrograde in Aquarius at 17 degrees. Saturn is literally the planet of arrest and detainment and Leo relates to kings and leaders. Neptune is the planet of crisis and dissolution and the opposition is an aspect that signifies opponents. Um, So this is like his fall from grace, right? And then Mars, the planet of war and danger, is conjunct the, the South Node and the eclipse point Mars, the planet of war and danger, is conjunct the south node, which is the eclipse point that points to what's being casted out. And in Virgo, it's the sign of purification and service. So this conjunction in Virgo can be delineated as like action taken against those who abuse power.
2: You gotta bear with us now because he is facing a bunch of indictments in different states. And those states are Utah, Arizona, and Texas. So we're going states to states that don't even have laws. <laughs> so <laughs> you're from a state with no laws, but we're gonna say a few states. So just try and follow along. So, first off, Warren gets sent back to Utah to face felony charges for being an accomplice to rape for marrying an underage girl so he goes to trial there it doesn't go well and he's found guilty and there he's sentenced to 10 years in prison
0: but the utah supreme court reversed warren's convictions and ordered a new trial and this happened because the judge failed to tell the jury something so what's going on for this reversal okay the
1: reversal happened on july 27 2010 in salt lake city utah and on this day saturn was in legal Libra exactly opposite Uranus retrograde in Aries at zero degrees so regular listeners know that Uranus oppositions almost always show up in breaking news charts that we cover and this was no doubt like big news at the time but Uranus oppositions also relate to like surprising reveals of surprising reveals and reversals of short fortune so Saturn is a planet of discipline and it is exalted in Libra so you would expect something good to happen right Because in Libra, it seeks justice, but Uranus, on the other hand, is like a menace, and in Aries, it's the individual disrupting the justice that's being carried out. So it's especially significant that it's retrograde at zero degrees Aries, which is otherwise known as the Aries point, because it's the first degree of the zodiac and often corresponds with significant public figures. For instance, our Elise has her Mercury at zero degrees Aries, and she is the producer of a major podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But since Uranus is retrograde, it's heading back into Pisces, which is a sign that relates to victims. Jupiter is also retrograde in Aries at three degrees, which is conjunct Uranus. And Jupiter represents victories. Since it's in Aries, it's individual victories. And since it's retrograde, it's like the victory that is won by reversal.
2: And Uh, Jupiter stationed
1: retrograde four days earlier. So it's especially strong right now. And the North Node is in Capricorn, exactly conjunct the Midheaven of the chart of his 2006 arrest in Nevada. The Midheaven is a calculated point that shows the culmination point in a chart. And the North Node is an eclipse point that corresponds with destiny and fated events. So this arrest was, like, fated to culminate in some fashion on this day, where he was, the, like, verdict was reversed. In Capricorn, the transit is geared towards restoring tradition, which naturally includes criminal misogynist cults, right? (laughs) (laughs) As everyone knows. It's also the Mars return of the original arrest chart and Mars is the planet of war and power. And the Mars cycle just sort of resets every time there's a return and it's all related to power.
2: Okay, so he's like free again, but not really, because he has to go to Arizona to be indicted on more sex charges. So he gets moved there. But then while he's there, the victims didn't want to come forward to testify. And he had already waited like two years from when he was first indicted. Um, So the judge dismissed the charges and sent him back to Utah because he had a bunch of charges waiting for him in Texas. So they were kind of just like, honestly, like, it's not worth our time and money to sentence you in Arizona because you're honestly going to get punked in Texas. So like, just go back there.
0: (laughs) And so Warren had a bunch of charges in Texas because while all of this legal shit was going down for him, the police received a tip about physical and sexual abuse that eventually led to a raid at the FLDS compound in Texas, which was known as Yearning for Zion Ranch, the
2: worst name. or
0: YZR. <laughs> and during the raid, Texas authorities took legal custody of 416 oh children that were living on this remote branch in Texas. And they found a ton of evidence against Warren and his
2: followers in connection to marrying underage girls. So Warren goes to trial in Texas and was convicted on two felony counts of sexual assault on a child. One charge was for sexually assaulting a 12-year-old and the other was a 15-year-old and each was married to him at the time. So Ugh. Warren, though it's been a long road for us in this episode, he is sentenced to life in prison and he had to pay a $10,000 fine which honestly... Which is
0: insane. Where that even come from it's like chump change at least in russia
2: you would be fined one million Million
1: (laughs) so what was going on on this day so the conviction happened on august 9th 2011 in san angelo texas and on this day, Uranus and Aries formed an exact T square to Mars and Cancer, opposite Pluto and Capricorn. And this is angry as hell. So T squares happen when a planet is in one when a planet in one sign forms a square to two planets which are in opposition to one another. It's it's like a triangle. Do the remember geometry? Oppositions are aspects of conflict, and squares represent tension that acts as like a catalyst for action. Uranus being at the apex of this T square means that change and surprise, and Mars opposite Pluto is fear and indignance. Pluto in Capricorn relates to corrupt institutions, and Mars in Cancer is protective and indignant. It's debilitated, Um, and it's sort of like a mother animal protecting her cubs from vicious predators. And then Uranus in Aries, because Cancer Mars in Cancer is debilitated, it's like giving Mars the power to fight back against like a powerful child predator, which is you know Mars or Pluto in Capricorn, and then Mars and Uranus. The Mars and Uranus square perfected at 11.30 a.m. in Texas that morning. And at the time, Saturn in Libra was exactly conjunct the Descendant at 13 degrees. So remember Saturn in Libra not being able to carry out their job of justice when it was opposite Uranus at zero degrees? Well, now Saturn in Libra seeks justice, and the Descendant is the point of opponents and lawsuits. So Saturn is punishing Warren for his, like, heinous crimes. Also, this chart has Mercury retrograde at 29 degrees Leo, exactly conjunct where Mercury was when he was arrested in 2006. We call that a Mercury return, babe. <laughs> and Mercury <laughs> retrograde is all about reviewing decisions and the information that you know and details. And his original arrest may have been discussed in court um, on that day, but this also in- is conjunct the degree of his natal Pluto. And the FLDS Neptune and Leo. So Mercury is revoking Warren's power as well as revealing how he and the church are just huge perverts. Ooh. And Mercury was also exactly opposite Neptune at the time, um, which means it's the exact Neptune opposition of the FLDS founding date in 1929. So. Oh, wow. And this opposition is being activated by Mercury retrograde is bringing attention and awareness to the perverted operation. Finally, this coincided with Warren's nodal return, so his path is being decided and rerouted, and he's in an eighth house year, which represents secrets, oh or God. secrets being revealed, as well as a loss of autonomy and control.
0: How often is a nodal return?
1: nodal return is every 19 years. nodal return is different than a nodal opposition. The nodal cycle, or the eclipse cycle, is like 19 years, so the opposition will happen like about nine years after the nodal return. So every nine years, you have like a major nodal transit.
2: So since Warren's sentencing, additional cases have been brought against him, both before and after his imprisonment, and even one as recent as 2019.
0: But Warren's name isn't just being talked about in court. He's all over streaming services these days, thanks to Netflix's Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey, a four-part true crime documentary that follows the accounts of sexual abuse against minors, forced underage marriage, and child abduction within the FLDS.
2: So, if you watch this series, like I did, you'll know that it was pretty brutal to watch, but... Definitely sheds light on the abuses that happened there and honestly, probably keep happening. So what happened when the series debuted, Dana? So the documentary was released on June 8th,
1: 2022. And on this day, the sun was exactly conjunct Warren's south node at 17 degrees Gemini. Uh... Mm Oh. Bye, bitch. This is to show you that Geminis are not villains, but in fact, we are heroes. In fact, we are heroes.
2: Put that on her tombstone. Can you tell that Dana's a fucking Gemini by that sentence? We're not villains. We are heroes. The sun in Gemini is shining a light
1: on facts and details and conjunct his south node. It is taking Warren down to Chinatown and exposing him. We also have Saturn retrograde in Aquarius at 25 degrees exactly square his natal Saturn in Scorpio. Saturn is a planet of discipline and the Saturn square is like a turning point where it just like reality checks our ego fully what we thought we accomplished at the last point is like, no, you were wrong. You think that you know life. You don't. You won't until you die. And Saturn and Scorpio can represent powerful people. It's in the underbelly of society, which is usually the mob. And increasingly, it's members of our own government. But it can also include cult leaders. And Saturn (laughs) and Aquarius seeks power by exposing those who already have it.
2: So today, Warren is 66 years old, and he's held in the Lewis C. Maybe Powellage. Let's say Powellage unit in Palestine, Texas. Could also be Palestine, depending on how you say it. So he still leads an estimated 6,000 to 10,000 followers of the FLDS from prison. So he is still in charge. And he won't be eligible for parole until July 22nd, 2038 at the age of 82. He's like recording sermons from
0: his jail cell. Like the fact that he's even allowed to do this is truly despicable and it just is like allowing this shit to go on but I guess if you know I don't know Dana do we have any predictions on when he might die because it just seems like that's the like our, our next chance to bring down the FLDS
1: I mean I don't know when he'll die actually I really don't have any ideas and I wish that I could say hey look it's this time but maybe maybe when Uranus opposes his son which won't be it'll be before 2030 and, and after 2025 after 2026 so maybe in that time.
0: So we don't think he'll make it maybe for his parole eligibility. We can only hope. Aye, aye, aye. Well, um, with that, we can only just hope Warren Jeff dies and more people are rescued from the FLDS. Um, if you're also interested in learning more about the FLDS, there's also a really good mini series on Hulu called Under the Banner of Heaven super good. It's with Andrew Garfield and Daisy Edgar Jones, and I highly recommend it. I've been absorbing a lot of FLDS content lately. I probably should uh, take a rain check. But next week, we'll be talking about the infamous couple that was Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love with a very special astro guest. So in the meantime, go sign up for our Patreon so you don't miss us too much. And with that, I'm Elise.
2: I'm Dana. And I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology. Goodbye. Ciao for night. Bye.